It is podcasting time. Glenn Power is here from PowerWorks Garage, which means we're talking cars and there is no shortage of conversation to be had. No shortage of cars yet. <laughs> no shortage of cars either. Well, though, People I, still putting fuel in them. I, for how long? I mean, I, I, I pull up at the petrol pumps and this is a global phenomenon. There's, there's parts of the United States, which I'm not from the U.S., I'm from Canada parts of the u.s it's it's like over five dollars a gallon i i mean who five dollars there's parts six but five dollars a gallon in the states yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> obviously you know america's great again yeah it's, um <laughs> i mean it's it's what can you do yeah there's there's less oil now yeah because one of them is playing Silly buggers, as my granddad would call it, in another country. So until until something until something changes there, and then even after. Well, why are the prices going to come down? They're not going to come down because no oil-producing country in their well, right mind is. Well, no, but you don't instantly start trading with them again either, unless no. unless unless the head of the snake, yeah, is uh, separated from the body. Then, yeah, it's not going to happen. You know, the, 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 it's not going to happen. And to be honest, I think it's probably going to get worse. Yeah. So, so get that's used my to uplifting thought. Yeah, the that, there you go. I, See I, you next week. <laughs> it's all going to get worse. I, I love it when you you pull up to the petrol pumps and you've got someone sitting there and nothing. This is this is. I'm not being demeaning. Looking for the cameras here for you too. I'm not being demeaning to Nissan here, but I do remember the show that I did maybe five years ago where we got a, had a caller call in. We're at the station, at radio station, and the caller calls in and said, "Look, I got I got a." Nissan Patrol Super Safari. Yeah. And I'm not getting good gas mileage. What do you suggest? And the suggestion was, okay, well, look, you know, it's brand new. It's like, okay, well, you got to break in that engine a little bit. But no Mario Andretti off the stoplights. Yeah. Drive at a decent speed. No quick lane changes. Keep your windows up. You know, blah, blah. And the guy basically said, well, that's not going to be no fun to drive. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, other, and, and so he did call back a couple of weeks later. And says, "Okay, I was a little bit better with driving, and yes, the gas mileage got a little bit better. But like, he's got he had an inline eight. It's like that you're not getting good gas mileage on that vehicle. I mean, <laughs> we were on the radio, so we had to be quite careful what we said because who knew? Like the next <laughs> next lot of adverts could have had a Nissan advert in it. So oh, we I, to, I, you I, know, we couldn't uh, have been putting them down. But you know, one one time Shazad Sheikh, brown car guy." Who's, I think he's driving a Beamer now, like an oldie, but a gold. Yeah. And brown car guy let go on Renault. Renault calls the station. You know, they, it was it was like we had we had ruined their their livelihood. It was, but the car was terrible. It was you know anyway, but it didn't matter. And you know it was like, oh. <laughs> listen back to the tapes. We didn't say anything wrong. We you it. know the thing is right with cars. It's always an opinion. And it's always subjective. Yeah. There's never any. Yeah. There's ne- There's no doubt that just in this room, we could argue over a car easily, and that's just two people. Yeah. Yeah. You know, everybody has their own opinion. That's the beauty. Shazad is a is a more qualified opinion than most because that's what know. he's done for his whole career. Yeah, I don't know if it's more qualified, but <laughs> you know, you know. All right, he knows how to. He knows how to phrase. <laughs> he's got, he knows how to phrase his opinion. He's got good phraseology. But yeah. He but, had bad tasting cars. You know. I mean, yeah. Again, exactly. I wouldn't drive the BMWs in, but I'd no. take a same era VW over it. Oh no, I, I, I've got a BMW around the corner from me, and if the guy's got the cover off, it's his daily drive, but he covers it. I'm going to send you a photo because it is the BMW I want to own. But I'm pretty sure it's like a 1990, and it, it's the BM, it's the Beamer I want, and I've seen it with the family in it, and it, it, it's old school, as far as old school Beamers can go. Yeah, I, I drive that newer one. Yeah, not my thing. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why people get annoyed with. To be honest, <laughs> a lot of people. A lot of people. You know, there's the old saying that any press is good press. Yeah. Well, I we I had the guy. I had one of the designers in for the Evoke, and I'm I'm well, asking Victoria Beckham. Was it? Nah, I oh, some guy. Yeah, that's <laughs> this guy. That's a wrong kind of design. This is automobile design, not she designed fabric that. cover. She designed that. Yeah, well, clearly. Uh, and I was just going on how this ugliest, most despicable vehicle I've ever seen in my life. And and the designer looks at me and goes, well, good thing you're not on the panel because that's our best seller. 
And I well, went, exactly, yeah. And I went, well, there you go. And, and, and he said, look, you don't like it, but other people do. And, and basically it came down to the things I didn't like about a car might be the exact things people love. They hear, oh, it has this and has that. It's like, oh, I want that car. And I'm going, I don't want that car. Yeah. I mean, look, there's a, obviously <laughs> most people, if you listen to this, most people know who Jeremy Clarkson is, right? Yeah. And I would think that if there are any of the sort of millennial and Generation Z people out there that are actually interested in getting into the motor industry and in particular manufacturing of cars, they would take it upon themselves to purposely design a car that he would hate. <laughs> exactly. And, and anyone that would listen to, value, understand, accept, uh, whatever word you want to use, any of his opinions, they would also want them in that same, exactly. we hate your car. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, the fact is, it's just how it is. Yeah. Yeah. You, not everybody can like everything. <laughs> There are certain things that I will absolutely scratch my head. I have no idea how they ever made it off the factory line. Yep. But at the same time, they did make it off the line, and they've probably sold a thousand of them. So what do I know? There was a delivery van came up the other day dropping off. I don't know. Must have been some Amazon products or something. And still, of course, still has the window sticker in. The, yeah. <laughs> I think he's using it as a yeah. sunshade. <laughs> I'm looking at the window sticker because it's right in my face, right? Because I go out and I'm, I'm seeing the and. I'm looking at the, the fuel economy. Energy so, rating, yeah. And energy rating is, this is the poorest energy rated vehicle on the planet. Like, it says, poor. I'm going, who'd buy this thing? Why are they allowed to sell it? Exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking. A, why are they allowed to sell it? And who's buying it? The sticker is in the window from the manufacturer. This is a horrible vehicle. I know. <laughs> I couldn't believe my eyes. I know. And I, I'm just looking at it going, really? Wow. The fact, I mean, we've got an AC unit in our garage and DIP. And we're in there just doing a bit of cleaning and tidying the reception. And I was looking at it. So what? And the sticker, the energy rating sticker on the side, and I'd never really looked at it. It's the lowest one. <laughs> Why have we got this? There's 20 others. The ones we've got in the other, they're not yeah. the lowest, poorest energy efficiency. Why have we got this? Take yeah. it out. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. I don't. It, but then again, yeah. you know, smoking, smoking's still legal. Yeah, yeah. So, and it, you know, it might have been a good price point at the time or... You know, it's poor energy rating, but in a certain context, it's a good energy. Ah, who knows? I think who knows. Well, I mean, you, you, you're an example of the super safari. With, oh. I, I mean, I I don't know how these guys are getting on. I yeah, I know. Or the some guy. of the older Prados as well. Yeah. The Toyota, sorry, with the twin fuel tanks. I mean, you needed the twin fuel tanks. I you know, we had a friend who uh, Mrs. Buckley had one of those, and she loved it. But it was you know dual fuel tank, you know, a little flick of the switch, and but full-size fuel tanks but those things suck back the petrol yeah i see a lot of these vehicles right now that are out there that are i mean I, we we crossed the first time ever 308 durhams to fill up a wrangler and okay look I, it was bone dry and i was i was sweating now already sweating because you know i i had the it, it's hot but i'd also hiccuped a few times into the petrol station gotten it so darn low and it was like well, i was going you sure you should you shouldn't we oh, i got lots of room and then it, you know you hit traffic yeah and the ac's just a cranked and i'm watching the gauge go down literally yeah. going oh, we're going <laughs> to be close it. yeah we're going to be taking it 308 durhams to fill it even the guy who you know tapped the card and i went <gasps> he goes yeah that's a lot of money yeah it's like and i'm thinking you know we're thinking back to when we first moved here and it would be under 100 durhams to fill a tank now okay Prices were fixed. There was a lot of subsidy. Yeah, all of the subsidies are gone. Taxes in on the on the petrol. Yeah, a lot, a lot, almost all the GCC countries yeah. have subsidy except us, don't they? Yeah. So, which we can never go back to. I mean, no, it's done. Know, the the fundamental, the reliance on that that money is is yeah. now. We we could never go back to our, that, our yeah. prices are 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 the same pretty much everywhere in the world. It's just that the level of taxation is not necessarily the same, but the the fuel oil is the same. Yeah. yeah, so the fuel price is the same. So when people say, "Oh, it must be you know dirt cheap to get fuel in Dubai," it's like, "Yeah, no, you just don't have the same tax." Yeah. I mean, if it's in the UK in some of the sort sort of more affluent southern parts of the UK, so in the UK you have a different price, right? Depending yeah, which road you're on. Yeah, basically. price fluctuates in Canada as well. Yeah, but get off the highway. It's fixed in the. Yeah, uh, apart from the one that's on the Omani border, yeah, <laughs> it's like still subsidised, and everyone's yeah. queuing for five hours for fuel. Yeah, but in the UK, in in the southern areas of the UK, it's like over two pound a litre. That's crazy. You know, so you're talking like ten pound a gallon. Yeah, that's crazy. Which <laughs> is mind blowing. Yeah, 
Yeah. Madness. If you're, if you're commuting and you're using a vehicle and, and the prices have gone up because they've gone up so swiftly, you're doomed because this suddenly is adding hundreds of pounds yeah. to your budget I mean, that things, you don't have. Things, you know, people that, a lot of people that maybe use their vehicle for work, so reps, sales yeah. reps, and people that are support staff for industries where they'll, they'll be maybe responsible for a certain region within a company yeah. and they've got to travel. They might do 50, 60 miles a day. You know, that's, you've added 25, 30, 40, 50% yeah. to your costs <laughs> without any real way of budgeting for that. No. You know, halfway through yeah. the year and your you budget's don't. out the window if you're dealing with that. And it is, it's difficult. And one of the things that people always ask us is how to do better fuel economy. But ultimately... There are little bits you can do here and there to save a couple of miles a gallon, but that's not going to help. That's not gaining you anywhere near the yeah. percentage increase that you've had. And, you know, short of getting a smaller vehicle, something with, you know, go go, go electric, uh, you could go three cylinders, you could go, you know, something else or, you know, not drive. Yeah. But really, but who's, you know, suddenly if you're going to, and this is a lot of people say, I go electric, but I got to get rid of my, car now i've got to invest now in the electric car they're not cheap no it's, they are too expensive it's not viable it's not they viable are. for people to do a massive switch and the vehicles aren't there anyway so and you've got money tied up in a car that you're probably going to struggle to sell if it's yeah. on fuel. <laughs> exactly you know? so it's it's crazy times it's 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 not going to change this is the way it is i mean when i moved here oil was 100 dollars a barrel yeah. went down to 30 yeah everyone cried about it now it's up above 100 everyone's crying about it yeah most most places it needs to be about sixty five seventy dollars a barrel for them to start making money. It's over a hundred now. People, they're you know oil rich nations are kind of going okay. We're make we're 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 you know securing the uh, sovereign funds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and we still stockpiling it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's it's been something that the 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 oil and gas industry have needed for four or five years. So yeah. not to even entertain any kind of conspiracy theory, but you know one of the bigger oil producing countries in the world is in the middle of a war and is now yeah. number four. Persona right? non grata or yeah. whatever you want to call it with the with the well, world's the, trade networks. Well, I, I was listening today, BBC World, and they're shipping a lot of their oil stocks and things to India. India's doing processing and it's being exported out of India. Like they're still making billions yeah, in yeah. a month. They're still selling the stuff. The world's addicted to oil. Yeah. Needs there's oil. no there's no coming back from it while ever there's not a viable alternative. Yeah. And so it's what what do you what do you do? Cars yeah. cars at the moment, you know, the the European ban I think is twenty thirty five on internal combustion engine vehicles. Mm. So in twelve years, thirteen years, you can no longer manufacture and sell an internal combustion engine vehicle in Europe. I would imagine North American market will follow quite quite closely behind yeah. and then the rest of the world eventually and there'll be certain parts of the world as well that will do that Asia I imagine will be certain parts of it will be quite close behind and if not in front of that so in 10 to 15 years time there aren't going to be internal combustion engines yeah, it's going to be a different world so sovereign funds need money for something yeah. and, and I would imagine that that, that, that fuel oil refineries to make petrol and diesel, they're going to need somewhere to get their money from. I, you know, where, where do they get? It, yeah. Cars aren't being made to use internal combustion engines anymore. Nobody wants a dirty power plant. No, they've been out of, you know, fashion for decades already. Nobody yeah. likes power plants as it is. So yeah. you know, nuclear is a little bit mm, okay. Yeah. Still want to do with the waste. Got to dig hundred mile tunnels and yeah. under that, and you know, put big signs on it. So <laughs> Archaeologists don't come around in a thousand years and dig it up. This sort of nonsense that's associated with that. Solar panels too cheap, too free, too available to everybody to. Yeah. How do you charge for electricity? Yeah. If you can cover your roof in solar panels and not and have a couple of wind turbines on your garden. Yeah. You know. Imagine. And storage becomes less than the size of this table. Yeah. Can you imagine? I know the, the the options are here, but no one wants anyone to go that way. It's like, whoa! Well, no, and this is genuinely the problem. You know, you've got you've oh. got a, 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 a huge issue with with governments, for good or bad. They also require money to operate. Well, look, it, we we had a, we had a, a 
a nice little introduction to change society with the pandemic and work at home. So it's got nothing to do with oil, but work at home. Rapid, instant change of the way we work and live in that we weren't going to office towers anymore. Yeah. And huge repercussions. One, those buildings become dinosaurs. Two, all of the ancillary services around the building gets harmed. And people are looking at this, and what are they saying now? Get back to the office. Well, not just because you got to fill up the building that you're paying rent on, but you got all those services, the restaurants, the repair stuff, all that are outside of those buildings that cater to those commuting people. We stop cars. It's the same kind of thing. We, we stop oil production, and we could. We could mandate it pretty quickly that we're gonna, we have to change because our lives depend on it. But it's, it's going to hurt. And are we ready for that change. We weren't ready for it with, with work, the, you know, the work week and working from home. What a great experiment. But while everyone can benefit, a huge portion of the working world could benefit from that. Employers don't want that. They want to be able to see you and they're clawing people back. To well, the Elon Musk is there. Yeah. He's a great example. example there. Get he's back in your, you know, you're fired. Yeah. And he's, I think he's well within his rights to say that regardless of positive or negative view of Elon Musk, that I might have personally, I think he's well within his rights to say that. Yeah. I think, as always, he probably could have done better than the way he said it. <laughs> but that's just how he is, and I think people that work for him probably know. Now, I think some jobs you could you can definitely do remote, and you can do on a flexi hours, but I think I, other things need to be in place. I think a lot of jobs could be done like that. Amy, yeah. my wife, she works, she could definitely do her job away from where she works yeah. and just go in when needed yeah. like if yeah. there was something she needs to see physically yeah. for what she's operating and managing she could even do a couple of days a week you're in on site but the rest of the time work from home but and also you'd have the you'd have the fact that most people i think have proven that certainly for more uh, administrative yeah. jobs you are more productive at home yeah there's a lot less downtime you you you're more productive you're not just waiting to five o'clock so you can go home you're trying to get your work done so you can finish. And that's a different yeah. mindset. Yeah. And, you know, as an example, I can tell you that back home when we worked at VW, we'd have days where, you know, we'd have 70 cars, 80 cars in, and they'd be in and out in the same day done. And there'd be between 10 and 15 technicians, depending on who mm. was in, who wasn't in, who was training, who was on holiday. And we'd do that. No problem. But then some days we'd have 16, 20. Yeah. yeah. And two o'clock comes around. We've cleaned the ramps. We've cleaned our toolboxes. You know, we've we've locked someone in a parts cage and put them in the car wash. You know, yeah. all the stuff that you get on with. And then we've gone into sales and said, have you got any cars for prep? And we've PPI'd 10 cars and it's three o'clock and we've got nothing to do. Yeah. Now, there was always the chance that someone would come into the reception or there'd be a call for the breakdown emergency assist or whatever it is and you'd have a problem or, you know, one of the guys might want their car fixing. So there's always something that we'd do. But every now and again, towards the end of a week, the manager would come in and say, look, guys, we've not got too much on today, but there's a couple of chunky jobs that we want to get invoiced. Let's work up. And when we worked up, we'll go home. Everyone's up for that. Yeah. Looking at it, thinking I'd be in the pub by three. Amazing. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Now here, in the OE, working here, we have a similar situation. So a lot of our guys will get, will get in at work and, and we'll say, look guys, it's Friday. You know, no one really wants to work on a Friday. You, some of you guys want to go at 12 and you've got to pray. So let's everyone go at 12. Let's work up and we'll all go. Well, nobody does. <laughs> and do you know, what, do you know the, re the reason for it? And it was DJ that pointed this out to me. And we were talking about it, and I thought, you know what, it's right. When we did that in the UK, we were going home, or we yeah. were going with our mates to the pub, or we were yeah, going yeah. with our mates, going home, getting showered and changed and going out, yeah. and going out on our bikes, whatever we might have been doing. These guys are here just working. We're all economic migrants, and the majority yeah. of us are just here. We go to work, we go home. Some of them are in shared accommodation. They don't have money because they've sent it back to their family in their own country. So they're yeah. just going to work, and they're just going to yeah. stay home. So... This work from home model works for some, but here it wouldn't because a lot of people don't necessarily have a home yeah. of their own. It's right. not just going to be one person working in a home. Yeah. 
And there are people that share apartments that might, you know, three, four people in an apartment that all need the internet yep. or the Wi-Fi speed's capable of keeping up with it. And these kind of changes need technology there beforehand. Yep. Otherwise, they just stumble for the first six months and then nobody which, wants which we to saw, carry on. Which we saw when we had all the schools yeah. and, you know, and bumping up the speeds. And, and this is one of the issues with the whole getting away from oil. They're more than happy for that experiment, if you like, to fail or to yeah. stumble and to not really be that easy. And, you know, now there's queues at charging points because there's too many electric vehicles. Yeah. <laughs> and there's there's people, there's 60-year-old, 70-year-old, 80-year-old executives in car manufacturers that are just st- st- stood there saying, I told you so. Yeah, exactly. You know? And they're happy, right? Well, yeah. What do they, what do they yeah. lose from it? Yeah. They'll be dead in 20 years anyway. They don't care. Yeah. And that that's... That's unfortunately the the problem that has to be overcome in that governments need money to operate and they'll get that money from donors, inevitably, and a lot of them are tobacco or yeah. guns or oil. And the people that have control of the oil, what do they do when they go from being able to make 2 billion, 3 billion, 4 billion dirhams in profit a year to nothing because they've got no oil to sell or... Nobody's buying it. No one's buying it, yeah. What do they do then? They want to already have, and I'd like to think that they have already developed it. They've already got their solar power parks. They've already got their uh, hydro stations. They've already got their wind turbines. They've already got everything set up and their energy storage and everything's there ready so they can just flick a switch and say, right, now we make money from this, but that's not the case. (laughs) It's not the case. These things are too big and they move too slowly. And it's going to be very, very interesting when you can generate power in your home, store it, charge your vehicle, and never have to pay a single utility bill. Yeah, it's coming. It you know, what, what, what do you do there? Yeah. And then, you know, you've got people, there's the, so the, the foil, you see them here, people that use them in the desert to catch condensation in the air to make water, yeah. and drinking water. Obviously, we have massive desalination plants here, but that's huge consumption of energy. Yeah, the amount of gas goes into but those. But to facilities. use condensation on a foil and collect the water at the bottom for one person is okay, but there's now a 24-hour device that's been created oh, really? at a university in Europe somewhere that are able to create it even in direct sunlight under the heat of really? the midday sun. So as that develops, you potentially be in a position where people could create their own water, their own electricity, store it, use it. Yeah, <laughs> It's, it's literally living off the grid on the grid on the grid that'd be amazing in the UK if you have solar panels on your roof and you generate more than you use you put it back into the grid yeah. and sell it back so your electricity bill comes with a discount because yeah. units you've added to the grid which is great what a great idea yeah which is great but it, it doesn't work when everyone's doing it yeah and now you know before to store energy to power a house a room this size wouldn't have carried the battery yeah 10-15 years ago you get one half the size of that now, quarter of the size of it to easily power a house. So this is where the this is where it's going to be interesting. And we've seen vehicles like the F one fifty that power homes yeah. when they've had blackouts in America. And yeah. so that goes to show you what you can do with something coming small. Change um, is coming. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Speaking of change, blast from the past. The GTL, aka the GTI. Yeah, convertible that you had in the shop. I sent you photos. That's my wedding day vehicle. Yeah, it's not the exact one. We don't <laughs> no, think. No, no. It, it, uh, ours was um, a GTI Carmen Ghia from Germany. Nice. Is where it came from, uh, and it was manual transmission, not automatic, but mm. it looked the same. Same color, same dash, same same cockpit. It was a that was a blast. Yeah, it, it was nice. I got a phone call on Friday evening. And I don't know what actually made me answer the phone. It was like 7 o'clock on a Friday. I'm like, are you joking? But I answered it. And he'd been given my details by one of my friends at one of the car showrooms we work for, RMA, in DIP. And he said he got a... Uh, he said, uh, well, he actually overexcited me because he said he got a Mark One GTI. So I was like, I'd stopped listening. Yeah. And I just kept saying, yeah, bring it in, yeah, bring it in, yeah, bring it in wasn't really listening. He never actually said And then he turned up, and it was a 91, 92 um, Japanese import convertible, which is on the Mark 1 
platform, but the Mark One was long gone by then. It was the Mark Two and almost the Mark Three when they when they were producing those. But it's mint. Like the interior needs some work yeah. in terms of the plastics on the dashboard. But as with most Japanese cars, it's in really good condition. Where, where was it sitting in Japan? So it was in Japan for a while, then it was here. So he wasn't the person who brought it here, and it was okay. just found in somebody's garage just under a cover. Man. Not being used. So he's bare metal uh, with the body and repainted yeah. it. And he's redone the roof. He had a new roof. Yeah, I saw that. It was red. The seats have been redone with the original GTI material, the nice red, gray, and black. black. <laughs> so, you know, real good job of those things. There's a couple of little switches and trims on the dashboard that need attention and We've got a few things to do with it mechanically, but it was always good to see. It's just a shame it's the automatic. Yeah, I saw that. Three speed drain Uh, on your fuel tank. Yikes! But still, to look at it, it's a nice car. The roof works beautiful shape. I just love that shape. Yeah, a bit classic. Yeah, you know, and And that was that was when all cars from a manufacturer (laughs) you could tell who they were from. Yeah, instantly you knew. You saw one of those rock up and that square golf. You know, so that fact, same ours was a rabbit, I think. Ours, rabbit. Yeah. Oh, I, I, but you know what? I think it did. No, it was it was it was a rabbit on the back. It was yeah, rabbit in North rabbit. America. Yeah, yeah, and uh, but just beautiful. Yeah, just the, beautiful. They were, you know, the whole lineup was the same front end with this round lights yeah. in it and the bar grill. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, it's you look at that and it's just like, oh man, I want one. I want one of those back. I'm almost tempted to get in touch with the guy we we sold ours to and see do you still have that thing like what are you doing with that thing it could be equivalent of um it could be equivalent of school fees next year and i'd have to pay my yeah fees. and i i can't imagine the guy we sold it to was uh, a master tech who taught at a garage school so you know he was very happy that we were given you know sold it to him but it was it, ours was the point where, as i i told you we we had it, but we only drove it in the summers. And so yeah. he would make sure it could drive in the summer. And then the last summer he said, yeah, how far are you driving in this? <laughs> I said, I don't know. And he goes, yeah, I, you know, said, I, I really don't feel good about this. <laughs> <laughs> he says, I, I think you can, you know, I, he's, and he prefaces, I, I think it'll be okay, but I don't feel good about this because this, it, this, you can, we can't do this anymore. And he said, it's just, there's just too many seals and too many things. It's yeah. not getting enough, you know, I, I run it, but I'm not driving it like I need to. And this car needs to be used. Yeah. And so we, we ended up selling it. And to this day, wish I still had that car. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's got one of those. DJ, DJ was on about his car that he wished he still had out of everything he's owned. It was his <laughs> Mark IV Golf and I wish I still had my Mark II. Yeah. You just, just, just the way it is. I mean, my first car, my Polo bread van, I'd take it back in a heartbeat, and I bet it's still running, hundred yeah. percent. But you know, everybody has that car that they own, yeah, that they wish they still had. I mean, we had we had baby seats in the back of that thing. <laughs> like we, you know, people say, roof down, and you got kids. It's like, what are you parents nuts? I said, it's a good car. It's like it's, it's what we have. Like, what do you want us to do? Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, it's what we have. And I had seat belts. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. And the seats were affixed. It was all. It was good. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it worked. But it was. Oh man. Yeah. It's everyone's got that memory of that car. <laughs> it's just one of those. It's just they've always done it. We, you know, VW always made iconic convertibles. And the, the the golf had a charm about it in the fact that they literally cut the roof off, put a bar behind yeah. the front seats, and just put a black convertible top on it. And it was it was great because it was it, it wasn't electric. It had two hooks on the side. Yeah, that's right. Bar, yeah. And you just put it forward, put the hooks in place, and close those. So this one being the Japanese one, it's ninety two. It's got the electric roof on it, oh. and then you just have to look, hook it at the end, Man. and it still works. Wow. The switch is there. It's not even broken. The switch wow. isn't even broken. So wow. Yeah, but. I, I, you know that the beetle you know the the thing trekker see I, t- I take one of those things any day any just, day it was just a good time yeah of the <laughs> convertibles so, I, you know it's it's finding it's almost like you want to find that person who's got a garage and they've just got a vehicle in there and they're just looking to get rid of it now you know, yeah it's, yeah you know it's in a field somewhere under a tarp you know, see, you'll all find the time it. you'll all find the it. time people find these things if somebody found a series one quattro Audi Quattro, 1981, they found it in the garage the other week. Jeez. Reading the article about it, and it's like, well, you're a millionaire. <laughs> yeah, just, I mean, you might as well, go, you're effectively a millionaire, because you don't touch it and just sell it. Yeah. You know, but, yeah. I mean, 
yeah. it obviously happens. I just I just cannot fathom. <laughs> I want to be that person why? who finds this thing. You know, you, know, you got to be out there looking. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's right place, right time, some small little place, and you know, In, invariably, it's the person who who owned it up until their demise. Yeah, didn't really care for it. Yeah, rather than they were a f- fanatic and they kept it safe, they just didn't realize what they had. Yeah, and the hassle of selling it was more than they thought the car was worth twenty dollars, and they just can't be bothered doing yeah. it. We're just going to store it here; it's not taking just up any space. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't good. really care. Yeah, can't even, I don't even want to take the tarp off it because I don't know what's living under it. There's probably raccoons and yeah. rattlesnakes and all sorts under there. Oh man, which which brings me just to, to, to you know summer storage of vehicles, and I think that's kind of a, a great place to have a conversation here as it's starting to get warm and people are starting to travel and what, how are you going to store your vehicle? What are you going to do with your vehicle? So that if you're not driving it for a few weeks or a month, there's a great possibility that people are going to be doing that. We're where it's rather warm, but in any, any context, making sure that when you get back from wherever you've been, that you've got a functioning vehicle because the last thing you want is you get back and you, fire that thing up and oh got to head to the garage and it's going to cost me a few thousand of some things to get it fixed now because of my own stupidity yeah the problem becomes that you know even a battery is the best part of a thousand dirhams potentially depending on the car you want so the the inconvenience of it not starting is one thing but the fact that you ain't got to buy a battery (laughs) i mean if it if you're parking your car for any length of time it makes no difference winter spring Autumn, summer, it makes no difference. I used to take the battery out of my vehicle. I don't know if there was any benefit to doing that. I'd bring it in the house. I'd put it, you know, put it on some wood, put it in a closet or wherever I'd keep it. I, you know, honestly, I stopped doing that because I was still only getting 12 to 16 yeah, yeah. months worth of life out of the battery. So it was yeah. like, what am I doing this for? Yeah. I mean, it's just the fact that the heat, it just doesn't, the batteries just don't like heat. Yeah. Electrical circuits don't like extremes of temperature at the best of times, but heat's, it's a real bad one, and especially when you've got liquid batteries. So mm. liquid, the liquid gets hot, you can expand, it's allowed to evaporate and boil off. So leaving it in the heat isn't great. And also the fact is, if the car's sat not moving, there's a lot of factors then when it actually comes to starting that car after mm. some people are away for six weeks, yeah. seven weeks. Um the engine has all of the oil is drained into the bottom of it. So the top end of the engine has very, very little oil left on it. And when you go to start that car, it's going to be... Should you just do a couple cold cranks just before you just, you know, just to... The, the damage is, is done, it's really. It's done. So. You know, and the problem is there with doing that, a lot of cars these days have, have timing chains. And those timing chains are tensioned by a tensioner that is tension through oil pressure oh so this the cranking is when the damage is done you hear some of those people who've been away for six seven weeks and they crank the car and it's clack 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 yeah, and then rattle and yeah for for you know a, a few for five yeah, seven yeah. seconds and then the oil starts to circulate and yeah. water starts going through I, I think i was in my own vehicle the other day and it was one of the first times i've actually heard water yeah. the liquid start yeah, to go through right. and i'd, I'd yeah. never heard that before it was just the perfect situation yeah, yeah. Like, whoa you just have had a little bit of air in there that's just yeah. wiggled through. And it, these things are the same. So the, the oil issue in the engine is the same as the issue with the AC. Mm. still have the same issue in the AC and that the AC compressor then kicks in and the oil hasn't circulated in there for six weeks and the compressor yeah. starts to wear itself out. And there's only so many times you can do that. And the added issue of the excessive heat that you're going to have, it's still, you know, people can go away for six, seven weeks of the summer, but they still come back in August and it's still 45 degrees outside. Yeah. So it's still a hot drive, the first drive it has. I'm trying to do that with an engine that's just wearing itself out with with, with AC that's not really working properly, with tyres that have got flat spots because it's been sat. So, you know, before you know it, you're driving down the road with an <laughs> AC not working, shaking to pieces because the tyres are all out of shape and the engine's noisy. Yeah. And that's worst case scenario. And there are things you can do. So we always tell people just add an extra couple of PSI or, you know, to a point two or three bar on to your tire pressures just to give mm-hmm. them that extra bit to hold their shape a little bit. And if you can have somebody that will drive the car for you twice a week, 
even if they're just doing four or five kilometers, yeah. just drive it around, get the AC running, make sure that's all okay. Washing the car, just mm. something as simple as washing the car while you're away to make sure that there's no dust staying and sticking to the seals on the body and the plastics. The plastic suffer in the sun as it is, but yeah. then the dust and then, you know, you go and wash it off and it scratches all the paint and it yeah. scratches the and really wears into the protective outer layer of any of the rubber and the plastic. So just these little things can help, but the batteries is a big one because of the temperature. And mm. the fact is there's a lot that could have kept the car, especially on a more modern car, awake, shall we say. Yeah. If you've got air suspension or hydraulic oh, suspension. Oh, all about those. Yeah, these things can start to sag and settle. Now, which isn't necessarily a massive problem, but... As an example, when we had cars in the showroom that had air suspension, we had to put them in showroom mode. Now, showroom mode would put them on a higher setting and it would lock everything. Mm. So it couldn't, the, the valves would shut and the air couldn't go back. Wow. Now, that is good because it means that the customer can't go around playing with the buttons and, <laughs> and lift the car up and down and get the kid's arm stuck in the wheel arch yeah. or get themselves yeah. trapped in it. But also it means that it shouldn't go down. Um, if the suspension's been sat gradually leaking and it, it could have been like this for a year, two years, who knows but you just don't notice mm. it because you're driving the car every day and it's yeah. inflating itself and it's keeping it up it could be that it's a valve block itself leaking so there's not an external leak so it's not a problem to reinflate. which is the other thing you, find, you start to see when you come back from being away is all these little things that were just you know a little bit here, a little bit yeah. there suddenly it's a big thing but yeah, invisible. The, the issue with the air suspension leaking is invariably it's rubber. Right. And if that's sat down on its lowest setting, the rubber oh, will be perishing and cracking yeah. and it doesn't want to be there. Right. So then you start it up and it tries to inflate itself quickly and before you know it, that's a burst <laughs> air spring. So th- there, are, there are lots of things. If you've got air suspension vehicle and you're, taking, you're going away, it's even more valuable to you to get someone to drive the car. Mm-hmm. In the owner's handbook, each manufacturer will have their own advice. Some will tell you to lift it up and lock it. Some will tell you to lower it down and lock it. Some will tell you nothing at all about it. Some cars have air suspension that isn't adjustable by the driver. So well, yeah. you might just have rear air suspension that's just there. You know, I'm thinking BMW yeah. X5. Okay. That, that is an example. But getting someone to go and drive your car is a way to do it. If, if you can get somebody to that's take your car two, two times a week, five, ten kilometers a time, it's nothing. Just drive the car. Start it up. Even turn if on the they AC. literally just get someone to pick your car up on a Monday and take it to the car wash and yeah. then nip back around on a Thursday and just check that it's okay and just drive it around the block, you know. Go get a pizza. Plus, if there's anyone scoping your house out, they think you're still there because you yeah. see the car moving every day. Yeah, it's like, hey, that's <laughs> so, you know, I mean, it's, it's better than uh, leaving a light on a time switch on the inside. Yeah. So I think that, that those basic little things that everybody can do, <laughs> there's... There's a lot to be said for servicing it. There's a lot to be said for taking it and having just the oil and filter change before you leave so that that oil that's in there is as viscous and as oily as it can be so that Mm. it's got every chance it can of clinging to the top of the engine rather than just dropping down into the the sump. Also means you can get as much of that carbon out so the carbon doesn't have time to to deposit and and really set rock hard on, on some of the, certainly in the top end of the engine. Those sort of things are worth thinking about ac service as well before you were to go would wouldn't be a bad idea get some fresh oil and make sure you got the right amount of gas in there just little things like that but there's nothing you're going to be able to do with your battery if you've got a trickle charger okay you could you could disconnect it from the car leave it on a trickle charge you could you know that you can leave it charging, but it, if it's going to be killed by the heat, it's going to be killed by the heat. Right. You know, you, we all know, we've all been there. You drive yeah. into the shop, no problem. <laughs> Get out, go in, you buy a couple of bottles of water and a bag of nuts, and you come back out, it won't start. That's why everyone backs their car in here at all the, 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 the parking spots because they've, they've been burned by having to yeah, push yeah. the car out. I'm convinced. That's the only reason. Well, I might need to jump. Everybody's been there. Yeah. You know, you don't know. And, and that, there's nothing. There's nothing you can do about that. Yeah, there's it's nothing. amazing how the battery will just die. Yeah, it, well, look, it's either a lot of times now when modern cars, the dashboards are lit by LEDs, which will take five or six volts. So people get in the car and say, oh, "It can't be the battery because all the lights have come on." Yeah, so I need six volts for that. 
the, the, the engine to start with a starter motor it needs fully 12 volts right. and if you were to we do drop tests on batteries and we where we where we load them up to see how the how they survive that basically and what yeah. the voltage drops to when you start an engine it, it can take 40 to 60 amps wow that's it's a lot of power that that's yeah. going to hurt you and a battery will hold about 12.6 volts when it's brand new and in perfect working order but you you know just with a voltage meter across that you'll see it drop to nine and a half or ten volts while it's trying to start so if the battery is less than 12 volts you're really going to struggle to start it on a modern car especially if it you know especially if you're talking about a battery that's in the back of the car right those thick power cables and ground cables go the full length of the car so you're losing you're losing electricity all yeah, the way you're through losing the- power all that way so it's very very important that people understand there's not much you can do unless you're going to leave it on a trickle charge but if the battery's going to die it's going to die mm. you know you can you can keep your battery at the amb- at the perfect temperature and charge it every day and use the car correct every day and this this and this but the battery will eventually fail yeah so just hopefully it doesn't fail when you get home and yeah you so need it the next morning. Doing what you can to get someone to drive it every day. Because then if they go around on the Thursday, you're back on the Saturday. <laughs> at least they've got the Thursday, Friday to sort the battery for you. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. So that that's the way I would do it. We have a few customers that that will ask us to, to do it for them, and, and we do do that for them. We sometimes just drop the car to the airport in the car park before they arrive back, just so they haven't got to get a taxi. Because those taxi queues are mental at yeah. the airport always. But... Obviously, it doesn't have to be something that you pay for. You pay for it in goodwill with a friend if you want, but certainly getting these things done will save you that hassle when you get back and you've got school fees to pay of not having to pay two, three, four k to get your car up and running again after all you did was park it up. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's good advice. Very good advice. And uh, one one other thing, covering if you've got it just in a carport, you you recommend that? You see lots of car covers out there. I see a lot of people just parked on the side of the road these days with car covers. Yeah, I mean those car covers are always worth worth buying. I mean you can they're not expensive either. Though. No, I mean we get the we get the ones that are fleece lined and they're yeah. quite thick with the waterproof outer. And you know, for most cars you could probably get them for a thousand dirhams for yeah. one and, and it'll save you a lot of hassle. The problem is the thick they're really heavy and they're they're bulky, so you've got to have somewhere yeah. to store it in between. But if you can keep it out of the sun, then do. If you are gonna leave it covered, then great, that's yeah. fine. Just make sure that if somebody, if you are putting a cover on it and somebody is going to come and use it, that, you know, when they take the cover off, they're not putting it down on the yeah. runway round and they're getting dust and <laughs> dirt all over it and then putting it back on and scratching the car. Yeah. They're never. And, and one other thing with covers is keep the cover clean as though it's your car mm. because nobody wants to take a cover off when it's dusty. And that's what happens because the covers get dusty. People just think, oh, I'm not doing that. I'm not putting that back on. I'm like ditched. Yeah. So I'll just leave it. So then you end up with a cover that you don't use, just getting dusty and being home for red backs in the corner of the garage. You might as well just have it not covered it up. Yeah. So if you're going to have a cover on it, wash the cover once it's on it. Keep the cover clean. Blow it, dust it, wash it, wipe it, whatever you want to do to it before you take it off so that it stays clean. And then they are worth having. They'll 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 save you a lot of trouble with plastics and seals and stuff like that failing. Mm-hmm. We we were talking about where where are you going to go with you know the fact that fuel prices are going up and and stuff. Saw this wonderful article that just really caught my attention with this gentleman who worked at Renault for a while and has set up his own little car company in France. They're selling something called the Gazelle, and it is a nuts and bolts electric vehicle like this thing is you know he was talking about putting the chassis together it's 10 parts it's like a lego piece and it's a lot of composite a lot of fiberglass it's very light you can the the entire factory to build these things he's also not only has he got these cars that are very economical not not although they're still fairly expensive to, to get possibly because of the batteries given that they're they are so rudimentary but the whole factory to build them a couple of shipping containers is all you need because instead of a typical car that has a chassis with 100 parts or so this one's 10 so the whole car is based on this idea like it's going to go 100 kilometers an hour that's it 
It's got your average charge distance that it can go. It's not fancy, but it looks okay. And you can, you know, the factory to build these things, shipping containers, and you could put it pretty much anywhere. You could have, you know, 20 of these set up around a country and you got basic mode of transportation for folks. And so I, I thought it was kind of neat. It's a good, it's, I mean, it's a great little idea. And it's kind of the only way you can do it in Europe to get anywhere near the price point that you'll get from the Chinese offerings. Yeah. Because of the, because of the, you know, corporation taxes and, and, and general different standards of how to manufacture. Yeah. It's kind of the only way to do it. And when you put it in and I've read through it, I think it genuinely comes from a place of wanting to do something the right way. Yeah. And, and solve a problem because, you know, we said at the start, fuel prices are too high. Everyone's going to buy an electric car. Oh, hang on a minute. No, they're not. They're too expensive. Yeah. It's $40,000 for a Model 3. Yeah. Well, this is a nice one. As as they're building this, it's low tech and it's very efficient. So, I I mean, they're saying, they're saying that this, this gazelle, which is made from composite materials in micro factories, uh, that they get about, they consume almost half as much as its competitors and it, they want to launch this as a, a new industrial model. So it's, you know, potential to, to be, they're saying, look, this is going to be the Tesla buster. It's a, yeah, I mean, look, there's potential for it. I, th- I think it just it make, it makes me look at it and think, well, PSA or VW Group are going to buy that up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if, if, if VW think that that's going to hurt ID3 sales, well, all right, then we'll buy it. And then, yeah, whatever. <laughs> you know, I, that might be a cynical view, but I, I think there's so much money being put into EV development and getting them out there on the road as soon as they can to keep up with Mr. Musk and friends that, you know, there's too much in it. I mean, this thing well, I, I was weighs a- less than a thousand kilos, it's yeah. like 900 kilograms. And for somebody looking for personal transport, this, this, is, this is getting good. 180 kilometers can go on a charge. It, it recharges in four hours with a standard house socket. Yeah. So suddenly, all you're checking all the boxes. Wait, I don't need supercharging. Yeah. I don't need this. I can just get to work and plug it in. Yeah. And it, it doesn't exceed 100 kilometers an hour when it's driving. That's as fast as it's going to go. Look, I think something like this, we've, we've talked about it a couple of times in this episode. You know, if, if, you have, if you have electricity storage capabilities that you could fit in the boot of this car, that you could charge the vehicle battery and have a storage, you know, unit in the back that you can easily lift in as an individual. If you could charge that up, just like you know the wireless charger you have for your phone. Yeah. Which, you know you can. I can. I've got one that will charge this phone from flat to full twice. Nice. It doesn't quite do twice now because it's <laughs> old and yeah. dropped it and it's rubbish. <laughs> but it'll charge my phone at least once. Yeah. So if you can charge the car. And the storage unit. Yeah. You don't even need to plug in anywhere when you park. Can you, you imagine? Just plug the car into yeah. what it's already inside the car. Yeah. You're effectively carrying a second battery around that charges the actual battery. Yeah. You get home and... I mean, if, if it's a, a car that weighs 900 kilos, put another 50 kilo of battery storage in. <laughs> yeah. It's not the end of the world. You can lift that yourself yeah. reasonably easily. Yeah. I think it's... It's, it's, it's going to be interesting. It's the way to go. It, and it, they don't look bad. I mean, they have some No, it doesn't look it. bad. It's, I mean, it's, it's not... It's not yeah. the most desirable looking thing, but it's got four doors on it, so yeah. there's space. <laughs> yeah. But people with for this is a I don't ever think somebody's going to look at this and think I need a family car and buy it. Yeah, but it's again, you know, it starts something. Yeah, you know, the 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 idea is there, and if somebody goes and puts money into it, and they say, okay, well. First thing they'll do is they'll make an SUV version of it. Exactly. They'll weigh like five tons and yeah. be all singing, all dancing. But no, seriously, I think it's it's it answers a question and it solves a problem of making things like this affordable. And I just think that if the power storage capabilities were to be utilised, the, the, the improvements we've made in that, for me, is where you solve a lot of problems. If you have the ability to plug your own car into effectively itself rather than have to find a charging station, yeah. you know, you could, you don't need to stop at a 
services on the motorway and pay £5 for a sausage roll, you can just stop at a picnic site having taken your <laughs> exactly. own food and plug it into itself. Yeah. You know, that, that to me, you double your range with a 50 kilo box in the back. Yeah. And I think that's the way to go. Well, and the other side is, I was, I was thinking, if you know, you're in some big cities or even some small cities in Canada, depending on where you are, a lot of cars, because of the cold, have block heaters. And if you're in many parking places, you don't pay to plug in your block heater. You just plug it in. And it's yeah. got like a socket at the parking spot. Well, if this thing plugs into a regular socket, yeah, yeah. I just plug in. I'm, I'm, you know, I've driven yeah. down, I'm in the parking spot and, uh, okay, I'm going to plug in and okay, maybe they charge you a little bit more to park there because you're going to use some power, but it's not going to be out of the question. So, yeah, I definitely. If you can run it off the natural, Imagine. normal electricity supply of the grid. I'd like to see one. I'd like to see one here and just see, you know, especially if it's just driving around Dubai, I'd like to see what it's like. And I mean, if it maxes out at 100 kilometers an hour, I mean, you shouldn't be driving over 100 anywhere anyway. Yeah, it's well, <laughs> most, I mean, not in something that's, I mean, mo- most cars will, most, most, most people's journeys are, are less than 180 kilometers. But what we have to remember is in Canada, that's no good. Yeah. Some people could do that to go to the neighbor's house, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, 180 kilometers. What's that? We're talking Shit. 90 my, miles now. My mum can't even get to Saskatoon on that. 100 gonna, miles. So it's not that yeah. good. But no. if there's if you're in the storage city, storage in the back, yeah. or you're going on a main road where there's a charge point. Yeah. You know, I think I think this again, 180 kilometers today. It might be the fact that. Yeah, because it said they're 900 kilos now and they're yeah. looking to get it down to 800. Yeah. Well, okay, you'll get it down to 800 and then add an extra 100 kilo in battery, make your range a bit bigger. Could be interesting. Yeah, you know. I'm sure they're playing with the calculus. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah, but it's a, it's a great idea and I think it's, it's possibly going to be that this could be even the start of people deciding that, you know what, I'll make my own car. I yeah. can't afford a car. Yeah. You know. Kit cars might be back. Yeah. That'd be interesting. And yeah. I and the fact that it doesn't require a giant manufacturing facility to put this thing together. These micro factories. Yeah. <laughs> this is yeah. Mm, mm. on that note, you know what is time to roll down the garage door and <laughs> say we're gonna do this once again soon. Glenn Power, PowerX Garage, talking cars with myself, James Pikeaway. As always, Glenn, total pleasure. Good. Thanks, James. Talk to you again real soon. If you want to hear more. Scroll down, listen to more of our podcasts, podcast, podcasts. There's a whole bunch of them and they're, they're always informative, educational, and entertaining. Talk to you again real soon. So long for now.